What is going on everyone? Farzine Vesugian here with you for another episode of Farzcast. Hope you guys are all having a great week. Hope all is well with all of you. As we're wrapping up the month of October. Crazy to believe. Uh, two months away before 2023. Next thing you know, it'll already be here. Alright, a lot to get into here on this episode of Farzcast. Some Week 7 NFL reactions from me. Some of my uh, biggest thoughts from Week 7 includes the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Packers, a couple other teams in there. A lot of a lot to react to from Week 7 for sure before Week 8 gets underway. A little bit of NBA talk. Definitely wanted to touch on what the hell is going on in L.A. with the Lakers. I, I mean, they're in shambles. I, that whole thing is falling apart. It is just insane. Uh, they had a weird guest recently give them a pep talk. I'll tell you guys about that in a moment. And then I did want to touch on a story at the end of this podcast it, where uh, some athletes have tried to reach out to this special needs student who was... Bullied and humiliated, and the story behind this bullying here, and just a backstory with this high school, this is something that needs to be discussed. So all of that, much more here on this episode of Farzcast. It's not going to be a very long podcast, it's going to be fairly short. Uh, this is also not a live podcast this week. Uh, this has just been an insane seven days for me. It's been very busy. It's one of those, um, if you guys uh, follow my Red Friday live streams, I actually did an audio version of the Red Friday live stream last Friday because I was just not prepared to do a video version. Uh, It's been one of those, like, expect the unexpected type of few days for me. Uh, Nothing terrible, nothing terrible, but... Uh, just some things, uh, it's, it's been a busy week. I'll leave it at that. Cause I know none of you guys really give a damn about the, uh, the details toward all of that. So neither here nor there. Uh, let's get started here because, uh, I want to keep this fairly short. Um, cause I've got a lot to, to say here. Uh, a lot of things to get into. Let's start with the Patriots because they're probably getting talked about the most coming out of week seven, a very, very interesting Monday night football game. Um, in which, I mean, they just got flat out dominated. I mean, they got killed. Uh, it, it wasn't even a contest. The Bears just had their way with the uh, w- with the Patriots. There was a weird period of time where it didn't seem like that would be the case, um, but it just fell apart quickly. So, I guess the question is, what the hell was Bill Belichick doing in this game? I know Belichick's not an idiot. We all know this. This guy's a seven-time, or excuse me, a six-time Super Bowl champion. His uh, former quarterback is a seven-time Super Bowl champion. Um, But this guy's a genius, okay? We know what Belichick's doing 99% of the time. Uh, I remember there was a a Sunday night football game in overtime where the Patriots won the coin toss, and rather than choosing to receive, they decided, they elected to defend... Uh, the the side of the field they really wanted. And they came away with the win. Like, everyone, be, as soon as they made their decision after the coin toss, everyone criticized the Patriots. Like, what the hell is Belichick doing? But, turned out, he won. Uh, I, I mean, this guy's done a really good job with finding ways around certain rules, and then he gets kind of PO'd whenever it happens against him. Re- remember Mike Vrabel in that uh, Titans Patriots playoff game, Brady's last game as a Patriot, um, the way uh, Vrabel essentially just gave Belichick a taste of his own medicine, and he was pretty upset about it. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget this, the the comeback against the Falcons, right before the end of regulation, the Patriots lined up for a QB kneel. It was actually a fake QB kneel. They actually ran a play, almost pulled off a touchdown to avoid overtime. Now they ended up winning and completing the comeback. Um, but you get the idea. I mean, it, it, just the things Belichick's done. And I know there's been some controversy with Spygate, Deflategate. I know Deflategate was more on Brady than it was on Belichick. But, you know, even with all the controversy surrounding him and the Patriots over the years, this guy is one of the smartest head coaches in the NFL. And I'll get into last season because last season I thought was one of the more impressive seasons Bill Belichick's had as a head coach. Um, I'll get into that shortly. But apparently, 
he's claiming this is what he told Lisa Salters of um, ESPN's uh, Monday Night Football, uh, the, the sideline reporter for Monday Night Football. The plan was to start Mac Jones and then at some point switch over to Bailey Zappi. In what world does that make sense? I was blown away. Like, this is Belichick? Like, if this was... um, Oh, I, I mean, if this was... Gosh, I'm trying to th- think of a, a head coach. I, I mean, I, I guess Todd Haley or Romeo Cornell, since I'm a Chiefs fan, and those head coaches weren't very good in Kansas City. Like, if one, if those guys did something like that, I'd be like, I, I'd laugh. I, I, I'd say this is hilarious. Like... They think this is actually going to work. But I guess it's even more funny that a successful head coach like Belichick actually tried this. Um, look, I, I, this was this really blew my mind. Um, sometimes uh, after the Chiefs play someone, depending on the outcome, I like to listen to the opposing team's uh, local uh, radio uh, stations just to kind of get their reactions and also uh, the reactions from their listeners. Uh, and then sometimes, like, after a big primetime game, depending what happens, I'll uh, tune into, um, uh, I'll look up a local sports talk radio station in whatever city just to kind of get their reactions. I immediately turned on WEEI in Boston, which is funny. Listen, a lot of times with these uh, local sports talk stations, a majority of the hosts there are also fans of the teams in the area. They grew up. Uh, watching those teams, and they either were able to start in their hometowns as radio hosts, or they had to maybe go through some other markets before they could go back to their own hometown. So, uh, a majority of the time, these uh, radio hosts are also fans of the teams they're covering in their city. I know that these Patriots radio guys, these media guys, they they always love to mock other sports teams and just brag about how they're perfect and that nothing could ever hurt the Patriots. This is, of course, when Brady was there. Uh, And I remember I I have some some listeners who are in the Boston area. Back when I was doing the Chiefs Zone podcast, some people reached out to me. This was, I think, um, for the 2017 season opener when the Chiefs went to visit the Patriots. And I, I was getting some some messages and tweets from those in the Boston area saying, hey, all these radio hosts here in Boston are just laughing at the Chiefs thinking that this is going to be a cakewalk. We all know how that game ended. And so I decided to tune into, what is it, WFAN and WEEI, the two sports stations in Boston. Maybe there's another one. I don't know. Boy, I mean, they were just dejected. They, uh, like, their voice, their voices were just lethargic. They were very monotone I mean they just did not know what to say and then I listened again a couple years later when the Chiefs went to Foxborough and they won and all their fans did was complain about the officiating and how the officials are are always against them which is kind of ironic that Patriots fans would say that um and it was just hilarious and they always have on Nick Wright from Fox Sports who is a big Kansas City guy and so he went in there and just dished it to them. I did not hold nothing back. And it was just the thing of glory to listen to. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but it, it, it's weird. These Boston guys always think that they're the authority for football. Listen, I, I love the Chiefs fan base being a Chiefs fan and all, but there are some Chiefs fans who feel like they're now the authority for all things football knowledge because they've got this great quarterback and this great offense and great team and whatnot, which is annoying to me. And you see this with, um, it's just weird because with Chiefs Twitter, which is a glorious place to be at sometimes, uh, fans will get really upset whenever another quarterback gets praised for making a nice play. They're like, oh, my quarterback can do better. It's like, okay, just relax. Your quarterback is not playing a game right now. Um, it's okay to praise other quarterbacks sometimes. Um, and it's the same thing with with those in Boston back when Brady was there, because it's like, it's like you could not have any stands that would praise another team. So I'm listening to them after Monday night football and they are just having a meltdown. And one of the radio hosts actually referred to Patriots fans as Foxborough bandwagoners. 
essentially their listeners calling them this. I'm like, whoa, holy shit. <laughs> this is where things are going. This is the meltdown. I'm Maybe that's an understatement. I don't know. Um, it's pretty wild right now. Um, Patriots fans are not having really any of it right now. They're just not. Uh, it was a really weird game because allegedly the plan was to, to play Zappy anyway at some point. Well, the switch happened after, what, three drives? And on the third drive, Jones threw a really horrible interception. And he got yanked from the game and Zappy came to take over. The Patriots looked like they had... It looked like they brought back Brady for a moment. Two touchdown drives, one on a 14 nothing run. That was it. The Patriots never scored again, if I'm not mistaken. And the Bears just routed them after halftime. I, I, I mean, it just wasn't even it, it wasn't even a contest in the second half. Um, this is one of those classic cases where even though Zappi had a terrible game after the 14-0 run, he's still the popular guy in New England. Uh, just, just a classic case of the backup QB right now being the public's favorite as Mac Jones has been struggling lately. Let me just say this with Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones. I know a lot of people don't. I, I, I like the job he did last year as a rookie. Um, and a lot of people are just kind of laughing at him. They're like, oh, he's not a good quarterback. Did you see how he did last year in the playoffs? It's like, this guy's a rookie. Keep one thing in mind. Because the Patriots, going into last year, they were still living with this stigma of Brady moved on and, and he's having all the success when Belichick's not. Uh, because they had Cam Newton for a little bit. Looked like it was going to work out, but then it just didn't. Fast forward to the draft. Belichick gets his guy, Mac Jones, a rookie out of Bama. Uh, didn't even need to trade up, able to get him. The thing you got to keep in mind, the Patriots got off to a really bad start last season. Uh, I, what was it? One and four, two and four, something like that. I, I, I don't remember the exact uh, record they, they, they started with. But they were still living with that narrative of, Brady's moved on and is doing better. Uh, and it became an even bigger topic because the Bucs did go to Foxborough with that big homecoming game for Brady. And the Bucs won that football game. So, again, the conversation continued. Brady won a Super Bowl without Belichick. He he just beat Belichick. So, so that con conversation continued. Until the Patriots went on a really hot run last year. Up until, what, early or mid-December? Then they lost three of their last four games, but before they had that bad stretch there, they had the number one seed. A lot of people said that the Patriots were the most complete team in football. I mean, there were some national radio hosts that were saying that about uh, about the uh, about the Pats. A lot of people were saying Belichick is both the executive and the coach of the year. Um, the Patriots were really looking like a much better football team at, despite the slow start, but then they crashed into a brick wall. Uh, Buffalo Rose, they ended up winning the division and they blew out the Patriots in the playoffs. And even after the loss, the narrative was, hey, the future is still bright with Mac Jones after a slow start to the season. Uh, he, he led the Patriots to the playoffs. Now, I know he wasn't an original Pro Bowler, uh, was an alternate, but still got, ended up getting to the Pro Bowl uh, as a rookie. You know, I, I mean, the, the things that... He had to go through to get the Patriots to that point just to even get to the playoffs last year. To me, is a success for New England. Um, I know that's not the standard given what they've been able to celebrate the past, what, 18 years before Brady left. So I get that part of it. Here's my thing. Max still a young guy. This could be a little bit of a situation where he's just having a bad stretch. Every elite quarterback, including the guy the Patriots had for, what, 18 years, Brady? Brady's had some really bad stretches. Um, not to compare Brady to Mac right now, obviously, but the point I'm trying to make is this. Every elite player, especially quarterbacks, they've had bad stretches, but Aaron Rodgers is going through one right now. Brady's gone through several of those in New England, and even those in Boston were calling for him to retire so they could move on and try to win with someone else. Patrick Mahomes had that three and four start to the season last year with the Chiefs, and a lot of people thought that the Chiefs window closed and that Mahomes has been figured out, all this stuff. Um, every player goes through this. 
Now again, Mac Jones is obviously not any of those players I just mentioned. So maybe this could be a little bit of a case where maybe Mac just needs to figure some things out. I don't know. Maybe Belichick's at, at a point where the game has moved on from him because he is 70 years old, still coaching. Um, and listen, don't get me wrong. If he wants to coach, keep doing it. That's not for me to decide. But I think what a lot of people forget is that everyone goes through a bad stretch. Now, you might not be willing to give Mac Jones the benefit of the doubt because he has not had a successful, long, illustrious career. He's just in his second year. So when someone is struggling in their second year like this and you got backup Bailey Zappi doing well when filling in for Mac Jones, well, then guess what? A lot of people are already ready to move on and uh, cut ties with Mac Jones and start Bailey Zappi. They were chanting Zappi's name. This is the guy you drafted in the first round last year, and you're already chanting for the backup quarterback in your second season. And listen, I get it. We're in a, especially with society now and social media, I think has played a big part of it. Uh, you have fans who don't have a lot of patience. So you see a lot of head coaches not even get a second season. Uh, if if the team does terrible in in the in the first season, so I get it. We are in this uh, win now mode with every single franchise, and if you can't win now, get the hell out of town because we're gonna move on and bring in someone else. At least that's the demand from every single sports franchise out there. So I don't know what's gonna happen with the Patriots. I think this is a franchise that is now you know the the future was promising. That's what a lot of people were saying about the Patriots after their loss to the Bills. And I think that that's, you know, despite the blowout loss, it was, it, it I, I found it to be the right narrative at the time. Now, what is the future of the Patriots? I don't, I don't know. Does it, does Belichick even know? I have no idea. Um, They're visiting a very hot Jets team that, has gotten their asses kicked by the Patriots for years. So they're going to be very fired up to try to win this game. I have no idea what Belichick's plan is. I know Mac Jones was announced the starter for Sunday. Is there going to be a quarterback carousel again? If if it is, good luck, especially uh, against that Jets team, because I'm sure they're going to be out for blood against the uh, against the Patriots. The Bengals, I think the Bengals are back, guys. I think they are after a really ugly start to the season. They have now won four of their last five games. Joe Burrow had a hell of a game throwing for 481 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Got sacked three times. That's been a, an issue for him this year, but not enough to uh, hurt the Bengals in this one. Joe Burrow won AFC Offensive Player of the Week. You could have easily given it to his wide receivers. Tyler Boyd, who had 155 yards and a touchdown. Jamar Chase, who is a freak of nature. This guy had 130 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Each of those receivers had eight catches. So this Bengals offense, they're, they're certainly back for sure. Uh, very, very terrible start to the season. The way they started their season opener against the Steelers, I mean, that was just atrocious. They are not the same team right now versus week one. They're a much better football team. Uh, the Bengals have certainly come alive right now, and I think they're a team that a lot of people need to watch out for. The Chiefs, let's talk about that team. The pa Patrick Mahomes, man, uh, he could have also won player of the week if it wasn't for Joe Burrow. He balled out in this game. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, they had a field day against the 49ers very stout defense. Each had more than 100 receiving yards in this game. Kelsey was two yards away from 100 yards. So the Chiefs, damn near, I mean, there were two Travis Kelsey receiving yards away from having not one, not two, but three pass catchers with more than 100 receiving yards. The Chiefs lead the NFL in points per game. Patrick Mahomes leads the league right now in passing yards and touchdown passes thrown. Now, a little bit of that is misleading because some teams are now getting their bye week. The Chiefs will have theirs. Um, but you know what is not misleading? When you put a stat like this, mentioning that the Chiefs are leading the NFL in points per game. That is a more usable stat right now because when you're looking at averages rather than just total stats, it means a little bit more since some teams are going through their bye right now. Some will have to uh, get their bye, uh, bye week a little later. So the Chiefs, they're playing really well 
Oh, by the way, what was the narrative from a lot of people in the offseason? Oh, that's right. The Chiefs, specifically Patrick Mahomes, will struggle without Tyreek Hill. I cannot think of a take that has failed more miserably than that one right there. And listen, I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans were pretty shook up over this whole Tyreek Hill thing. It did come out of nowhere. The morning of, I mean, there was no indication whatsoever that Tyreek Hill was on his way out of Kansas City. So when that ha- trade happened, I think there were a lot of question marks. You know, how is this Chiefs team going to do? Well, they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster right before the trade. They signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who had, I think, the second best breakaway speed uh, as a ball carrier, according to Next Gen Stats last year when he was with the Packers. Uh, you still have Travis Kelsey and McCole Hardman. You know, we know what he can do. He has not been consistent, but he's got the ability. Well, look at this game. I mentioned the three guys, Kelsey, Smith-Schuster, and uh, Valdez-Scantling. But then you have guys like McCole Hardman, who had, what, 66 total yards of offense and three total touchdowns. You have Justin Watson, who's been a, a solid depth guy. Sky Moore, I know there have been a lot of complaints about him on special teams, but he's also been good when he's involved with the offense. By the way, your running backs did pretty well, too. Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire got involved a little bit. Isaiah Pacheco, for the second time this year, doing a great job of helping the Chiefs close out a game. I mean, listen, this whole thing with Tyreek Hill, and I know it gets brought up. And by the way, I do the uh, post-game live streams after every Chiefs game on my Facebook page, and I get asked this every, uh, the past couple of games. People are asking, when will the announcers stop talking about Tyreek Hill? Well, you got to understand one thing. The Chiefs play a majority of their games on CBS, obviously. I think they've played three times on CBS, and each time they've had Romo and Nance. Um, they will have a CBS game at some point this year where it's going to be Ian Eagle and who's his partner, Charles Davis, I believe, or maybe they'll have Kevin Harlan and, and, and Trent Green. I mean, now Kevin Harlan and Trent Green are both Chiefs guys. They're both KC guys. So maybe they'll lay off of the Tyreek Hill talk a little bit if they get to announce a game this year. My, my, my point is this, um, the Chiefs have played games on a lot of networks so far. They just played on Fox. This was Kevin Burkhart and... Uh, Greg Olson's first time doing a Chiefs game this season. Maybe the only time they get to do a Chiefs game. So they obviously want to give their opinions on the whole Tyreek Hill moving on shenanigans. Uh, you've all, uh, The Chiefs have played on Prime. They've played on NBC Sunday night. And they've played on ESPN's Monday Night Football. So the broadcasters from all those networks. So Michaels and um, Herb Street from Prime on Thursday nights. Uh, Mike Tirico and Collinsworth uh, Sunday nights, and then Buck and Aikman Monday nights. Those guys all want to get their takes in with the whole Chiefs team moving on from Tyreek Hill. Um, Like I said, later on in the season, you're going to have probably different CBS announcers at some point. So those announcers will also want to bring up the Tyreek Hill narrative. Um, So I, I know Chiefs fans are sick and tired of hearing of it, but listen... You know what? For all the people that said that the Chiefs were going to struggle immensely without Tyreek Hill on offense, I think, you know, embrace it. Just sit here and say, look, a lot of people out there said that the Chiefs would struggle without Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs, I did not even mention the best part about their stat, by the way. I know this is not a stat that is out there. You have to look at some uh, websites like Pro Football Focus or Football Outsiders to find a stat like this. The Chiefs lead the NFL in big passing plays of 25 yards or more. They're doing this without Tyreek Hill. So, I don't know who out there still has this thought that the Chiefs are going to struggle without him. Unless he's doing good things over in Miami right now. Tua came back, and the Miami offense is looking great with Tyreek. But is there anyone out there that is realistically banging this beat of, oh no, Mahomes, it's the end of the world for him without Tyreek Hill? Because I think that narrative is dead. Anyone that's even trying to force that narrative is just in complete denial at this point. Listen, the only issue with the Chiefs, I mean, they are their own worst enemy. You saw what they did against the Colts. They beat themselves in that one. Now, the Colts still deserve credit, but they beat themselves in that one. Against the Bills, um, the Bills did some good things, but that was a game to me, and I said this after the Bills game, 
the winner of that game will be the team that makes the fewer mistakes. In the Chiefs, you know, they had the intercept. They they the Bills started the game uh, the, with the ball. They had possession first. They had the pitch that the the that failed. It turned into a fumble. Chiefs recovered. Well, how does that drive end? Interception. And I know a lot of people are talking about MVS. He's 6'4", should have got... Yeah, but you're thrown into double coverage. Um, I know there are a lot of people that don't want to criticize Mahomes whatsoever. And to me, it's like, why? Like, he's... I mean, listen, I think we've learned this year and last year, he's not invincible. Um, he's a human, too, and he'll have his moments. Um, but bottom line is the Chiefs made some mistakes. My issue with the Chiefs is they are their own worst enemy. They are the only team... That can hold the Chiefs back. They're, they're the only ones that can hold themselves back. Okay? They had two big leads against the Bengals in the month of January and blew both of them. Not because, and listen, the Bengals deserve credit for that again, but it's not like the Bengals just completely dominated and kicked Kansas City's ass in that second half of the AFC Championship game. Kansas City just went to sleep. Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense was gradually getting those points and eventually finding that lead. Um, so the Chiefs just need to do a better job of playing their game. If the Chiefs play like they did against the 49ers each week, who the hell is beating the Chiefs? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, before the season, if you look at all the betting lines for each game, the Chiefs were projected to win every game except for the Buccaneers game this year. So it just shows you, uh, I mean... Vegas, we all know the house always wins, right? That's the uh, that's the saying, the golden saying with uh, with sports here. To me, if the Chiefs just play their game, if they stick to their strengths, they'll win. Did you see what they did to Nick Bosa in this game? I mean, there was just this genius play where Andrew Wiley didn't even block Bosa, and they let McCall uh, Hardman go on this uh, jet sweep to the point where it was too late. By the time Nick Bosa figured out what was going on, I mean, he was just a non-factor at that point in, in the play. Uh, the The way Andy Reid draws up things, Andy Reid's a damn smart head coach. I would even argue to say he's better at Belichick when it comes to play designs, getting players to play above their potential, and even finding ways to nullify an opposing team's strength, like the way Andy Reid did. I was not expecting this from Andy. Orlando Brown, by the way, hell of a game from him. He's a guy that, that's been criticized a lot for, uh, by Chiefs fans lately, including me. But it's just a matter of playing your game. And not just that, playing some damn good football for four quarters. Um, listen, I know the cool narrative about the Chiefs postseason run, their Super Bowl run a few years ago was how they overcame a 24-0 deficit and a couple of other 10-point uh, deficits against the Titans and the uh, 49ers in that Super Bowl. They've already overcame some big deficits in this season. Uh, they trailed the Chargers and the the Chargers and the 49ers 10-0, and then they trailed the Raiders 17-0, and they won all three of those games. I don't know. The Chiefs have this weird thing about letting California teams get off to a really hot start and then uh, just completely... Uh, tearing their hearts out of their chest uh, by the end of the game, the way they do these things. Um, it, it's weird, but never, never write off the chiefs, never write off the chiefs, uh, Cardinals, uh, Thursday night, weird moment between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Listen, I don't know about, about Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I, I covered the big 12 closely when Charlie Weiss was there, uh, covered KU football uh, as well as the rest of the Big 12. Um, did the Big 12 roundup, all that stuff for the UDK years back. Uh, you know, following the Big 12 closely as I did at that time, and I don't follow college football as closely anymore, but w when Cliff Kingsbury got hired, I, I was like, huh? And I don't know how much of this has to do with, you know, a Mahomes connection, because I know that can be a thing. Um, as to, you know, why certain assistants get, uh, I mean, listen, Mike Kafka, don't you think a part of uh, the reason he got added on is because, hey, you know, whatever you're doing with Mahomes, can you maybe help bring that here to, to New York with the Giants? You know, I, I don't know. That's just part of it, I think. To me, um, what's going on with Cliff Kingsbury 
and the Cardinals. The Cardinals, are, I, I think, are a good team. They've got good talent. And you saw it the past couple of years. They gradually got better. Uh, two years ago, they just missed the playoffs. Last year, they made the playoffs. Now, this whole thing with Kyler Murray and what happened in the offseason with him getting his contract and then that, uh, that, that, that thing in his contract where they basically said he needs to study and do all this thing and then they removed it because of all the public backlash. I mean, there's a reason why that, that's in there for him or was in there. Now, this whole thing with Cliff, is he the guy? I, I don't know. I just don't know if I believe in the Cardinals that much with Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think he's going to take you to a Super Bowl. I don't. I think Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. I think he has the ability to win a championship one day, but it's got to be with the right coach. I just don't think Cliff is that guy. Let's talk about the Packers for a moment here. Um, they're continuing to struggle. They're three and four on the season now. Um, it's weird. Both Rodgers and Brady are three and four on the season. Wow. Uh, crazy. Uh, but a lot of people in Green Bay writing off the Packers. They want Rodgers gone. They, they're, they're, they're wishing that they could have moved on from him. I, I'm, I'm even hearing, uh, fans say, you know, trade Rodgers for Tannehill because Rodgers should have gone to Tennessee anyway, because that was a rumor in the off season. Let me just say this. The Chiefs were 3-4 and four last year. Same record as the Packers right now. A lot of people wrote off the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes. I, I just talked about this a moment ago, so I'm not going to go over it into detail. Um, I'm not ready to write off the Packers yet. I'm just not. Uh, there are a lot of teams that are around 500 right now. Okay, There were a lot of 2-2 two and two teams and a lot of 3-3 three and three teams in weeks after weeks 4 and week 6. So this is kind of a mediocre season in the NFL right now. Yeah, the Packers have played poorly, but given how many mediocre teams are out there right now, I'm not ready to write off the Packers yet. I still think the Packers will recover and step up. Look, let me just say this. Unless your quarterback is Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, I would still rather uh, you know, be with Rodgers than be against him, okay? The Packers do have a big test Sunday night, though. I just mentioned Josh Allen. They're going up against the Bills coming off a bye week, uh, coming off a big win in Kansas City. I'm picking the Bills to win that one. Um, despite what I just said, I still think the Packers still have time to recover, though. I will say this. If the Packers win this, all the criticism from Packers fans going to be gone just like that because it was a primetime win. They won on the national stage. And any notion of Packers fans wanting Rodgers traded will be gone after Sunday Night Football. If the if the Packers win that game, I guarantee you that narrative will be a thing if the Packers can pull it off. I I, I still think the Bills won that one, though. Uh, but I'd love to see the Packers win just to see how fast that narrative will change. Football's a weird sport, man. When you lose, it feels like the end of the world. It feels like there's no way you can even get to a championship. And then when you win... You know, all this optimism and positivity and, and everyone just feels great about the team. Um, it's weird. because Listen, Ryan Lefevre once said this, and I know this has been said by many other people, but I first heard it from him growing up as a sports fan. He mentioned that in baseball, when you lose, you don't have time. For those who don't know, Ryan Lefevre, a longtime TV broadcaster for the Kansas City Royals, really nice guy. I've met him a couple times. I've heard him speak to college students many times. Uh, in all my years of coming across sports broadcasters, uh, Ryan Lefevre, one of the nicest people you will ever meet and is always has an open door for college students that have any questions for him, uh, but neither here nor there. He, he made a comment during a Royals game once many years ago and said that when the Royals lose a game, they don't have a lot of time to be upset about it. Whereas with if the Chiefs lose a game, well, you've got, unless you're playing on a Monday night or a Thursday night, you have seven days to deal with that loss. So when you lose in football, man, it can be a long seven days. And when you win, it, I mean, it, it, those seven days feel great. They really do. Charlie Weiss said something interesting once when he was the head coach of Kansas after his first year. Um, someone asked him in a press conference uh, if he could reflect on his um, his first year at KU. 
He said from the moment he uh, uh, he was hired all the way through the first game of the season, which was the only game the Jayhawks won that year, uh, he said it went by fast. And then from weeks two all the way to the end of the season, which KU lost every game, he said it felt like the longest season he's ever coached. So that's football for you, man. Uh, the way it's designed, the way the teams play once a week, that's just the way that it works out sometimes. Um, that one win in uh, on Sunday night that can really change the narrative in Green Bay. It, it'd be int- I'm sure it's something similar in Tampa Bay as well because I know there are a lot of people in Tampa Bay that want Brady to move on. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the one quick thing I wanted to mention here about the NFL this weekend. Uh, this is my last NFL comment for the podcast. They've got a game in London this week. It's going to be the last London game. Broncos Jaguars. Uh, let's ride right. Um, by the way, funny story about Russell Wilson apparently exercising, doing high knees in the aisles of the airplane uh, for four of the eight hours as the team's flying to London. Come on, give me a break. Who believes that? Um, anyway, uh, maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, but if you want to watch that Broncos-Jaguars game, you're going to need ESPN+. Plus. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, it's Broncos-Jaguars, who cares? But then there are also a lot of people that still want to watch every single game, even though we all know Thursday night football is terrible. Everyone wants to tune in every single Thursday night to, to be able to watch. As we all know, uh, for the first time this season, Thursday night football games are exclusively on Amazon Prime. So a lot of people needed to sign up for that if they wanted to tune into Thursday night football. Well, if you want to tune into this early uh, game on Sunday, you're going to need ESPN Plus. Now, it's just one game on ESPN. That's exclusively on ESPN Plus this season. Here's where I'm getting at with this. I know this is not going to be the only game ever on ESPN Plus. I'm sure the NFL and ESPN uh, and Disney, uh, which owns ESPN, I'm sure they will try to work out something to have more games on ESPN Plus in the future. Maybe they do something because of the popularity of the Manning cast. It would not surprise me if the Manning cast would one day be moved to ESPN Plus. Would not surprise me one bit. So, I'm very curious to know. Are we going to move into a direction now where, you know, you already have Amazon Prime, okay? By the way... If you want every game on Sunday, you need Sunday ticket. So you're spending a lot of money for Sunday ticket. You're spending money for Prime. And if ESPN Plus can get their hands on a couple of other games next season, well, then you're going to have to subscribe to ESPN Plus. You know, this reminds me a lot of the UFC and what they did um, when they switched over to ESPN Plus. So UFC pay-per-views are an arm and a leg, what, more than 80 bucks after taxes and all that? If you want to be able to watch a lot of the UFC events, you're going to need ESPN. First of all, you need ESPN Plus to order the pay-per-views because the pay-per-views are exclusively on ESPN Plus, in the United States at least. And if you want to watch the events that are just on ESPN Plus or some of the prelims that are exclusively on ESPN Plus, then you obviously need ESPN Plus. Now, if you want every bit of UFC content and more MMA action, then you'll also need UFC Fight Pass. Now, imagine being a big NFL fan and a big UFC fan. You're going to need ESPN Plus, more for UFC purposes, but possibly for NFL as well. You'll need Amazon Prime, Sunday Ticket, and you got to make sure you spend money on those pay-per-views. Boy. Uh, it's starting to become pretty expensive to watch sports now. Was not the case three years ago. No one said this three years ago. Um, if you want to watch Major League Soccer, you're going to need Apple TV next year. And by the way, there are a lot of rumors that Sunday Ticket is going to be moving on to Apple TV soon. Listen, I know a lot of people don't like this. This started a few years ago when... There were some KU basketball games that were exclusively on ESPN+. People didn't care so much about KU football games being on ESPN+, because KU football, despite this season, which they're on a losing skid, but still, there's much more interest this year than before. 
But there have been some non-conference basketball games, and we all know KU basketball. I mean, it, it's a, it's a it's a hot ticket for sure. So if you can't go to the games, you're definitely watching them because KU basketball is a big deal. Uh, some of their games have been on ESPN Plus, and this led to a lot of backlash from fans to the university about having their games exclusively on ESPN Plus. Uh, not all of them, just some of them. So listen. I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, but we are moving in this direction and you got to have some damn good Wi-Fi because if your Wi-Fi is iffy or anything like that, it's just going to make it a big waste of money if, if you're subscribed to all this content and it's not working out for you. I actually just had to get uh, my Wi-Fi updated last week. Um, I had AT&T come over and uh, got the new uh, best Wi-Fi possible. Um, the, uh, I believe they call it the fiber, AT&T fiber. I, know, I think Google Fiber started this and now they've got fiber everywhere else now. This is what you essentially need. You've got to have the best Wi-Fi connection. Otherwise, if your stream buffers, well, then you might miss a big touchdown play. I mean, there's obviously, where's the fun in that? No one wants to miss big scoring plays ever in sports. Um, So this is the direction we're moving in now. Uh, Obviously, I just mentioned Major League Soccer. All of their games are exclusively on a streaming platform starting next season. The NFL, uh, well, one of their primetime games is exclusively on Thursday nights. Uh, they got one of their international games on ESPN plus. I'm sure that's not going to be the last one. I'm sure ESPN plus is going to negotiate and fight and try to get more games. So get ready. I mean, I mean, I said this for a while now. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, not, I know a lot of people aren't a big fan, but this is the direction a lot of people are going in right now. All right, uh, I want to weigh in on this real quickly. Uh, Britt Reed, Andy Reed's son, and former Chiefs assistant coach. He's got a sentence hearing Friday afternoon. What can we expect from this? Because he's already got a, a, a plea deal that uh, it has already been agreed on that the maximum he'll receive is four years in prison. Is he getting special treatment or is he really being treated the same way as if the average person did this? Because there have been a lot of Twitter attorneys, if you would. Uh, and hey, Listen, I, I, I've talked about this on uh, social media and I've had people say, oh, I'm an attorney and I know how this works out. Really? Do you really? Because Britt Reed admitted to having a couple of drinks and taking Adderall and... He's been walking free for almost two years. Almost two years. Um, if this was the average person, I don't know if they get the same treatment. I really don't. I, I believe that, folks. I mean, the guy admitted to having a couple of drinks. And I think there are a lot of questions, too, because he was leaving the uh, Arrowhead practice facilities. Uh, because this was, I mean, he, this was on 4. He couldn't even get on the highway. He was trying to get on 435. Uh, and the accident happened as soon as he got on, on the uh, entrance ramp, if I re- recall correctly. The fact that he had these drinks, I mean, was he drinking inside the stadium? or Not the stadium, the practice facility in the offices? Or was he sitting in the parking lot for multiple hours and had a couple drinks before he turned on the car? Or did he chug these? Be- I, I don't know. I have a lot of questions, and I think this is why Andy Reid said uh, Andy Reid said a while back that he's not going to answer any of these questions because it's there's an investigation going on. Part of that makes me wonder: Are they investigating to see if he was drinking inside the practice facility, inside the offices? I don't know. Uh, what I do know is I don't believe one bit that this guy is not getting special treatment. I, I don't buy that bullshit. I really, really don't. And if you do, you're a fool. You really are. Um, there's no way you can look at the story and see that it's taking this long, almost two years, um, and that, you know, he's not in prison yet. Is he expected to be? Uh... He's the son of a Hall of Fame coach, a future Hall of Fame coach. I don't know, man. Um, the magnitude of the story and the attention it's getting kind of scares me a little bit. It really does. I, I, I hope she should be getting more than four years. He should, but it's not going to be the case. Um, you know, this guy's going out, living life, going on trips, 
doing all these things. Uh, and his family members have been posting uh, whatnot. You see Andy Reid in the background, all these things. Hey, let's get on them. I mean, I, I'm not faulting Andy Reid or anyone else. Britt Reid is a grown-ass man, a grown-ass adult who should be making his own decisions and should be no one else's fault but his own unless, you know, the team was allowing him to drink while he was in the office. I, I don't know. I can't speculate on that too much, but all I'm saying is there's a reason why Andy Reid could not talk about it because he mentioned it's under investigation. Uh, what I will say is this. Um, there was a public defender who wrote about this on Deadspin and mentioned why the hell has nothing happened to Britt Reid. That's literally the title of the uh, of the article. And she mentioned, I, I don't remember the name, uh, but if you just type uh, Britt Reid Deadspin, it, it, it's got to be one of the top hits on Google. This... Uh, this writer, this uh, former public defender mentioned that Britt Reed, his connection to Andy Reed is certainly helping him not be behind bars at the time this article was written. And still a year later, more than a year later, that's the case. Now, we'll see what happens on Friday. Um, I mean, it's a concern. Look, I know he's not going to get hired anywhere else because... He's not even a good coach. The only reason he has that job is because of his connection to his dad. Um, the Chiefs fired every defensive assistant except for Britt Reed when Bob Sutton, the former defensive coordinator, was let go. Britt Reed's been here since Andy Reed's been here in 2013. He's had essentially the same job. If you if you're at the same place for what seven eight years, at some point you got to move on up in the in the uh, in the food chain, and, and obviously Britt Reed has it because he's just not that guy. Uh, Belichick's kids, I mean, Steve Belichick, he's been co- at least calling defensive plays, so at least he's doing that. Uh, Britt Reed never got to that point, so that I know that was brought up uh, when this whole thing happened. But no, no, my point is this though: what Britt Reed did, what um, Henry Ruggs did, you got to make an example. Because there are a lot of people out there that want to play in the NFL. A lot of young kids. And part of the reason they want to play in the NFL, probably two reasons. One is you get attention from all the girls. Not a bad thing. And number two, you get a lot of money. Which, if you have a lot of money, you're going to get attention from a lot of girls. Um, But at some point, you got to make an example out of someone. Because a lot of these athletes, they think they're invincible and that they're above the world. And that nothing bad can ever happen to them. They can never get caught or get in trouble. And they can do whatever they want to do. And we saw what happened to Henry Ruggs. I mean, that one actually led to the death of an innocent person who had done nothing wrong. Um, I, I mean, you have this uh, young girl who was five years old at the time in the Britt Reed situation. Um, I, I think the... The mother had just ran out of gas, so she was trying to... I'm assuming she was trying to call for help. She was pulled over on the highway, and Britt Reed hits her. Um, It's just sad, man. It's just sad. Uh, I mean, you end up hitting... You're obviously under the influence of these substances, and it's so badly that you just end up hitting the person on the side of the highway. Um, It's bad. An example needs to be made. It really does. I mean, all these college athletes and high school athletes that want to play pro, send them a message that if you really want to play pro, you better not fuck up like these guys. I know that's harsh, but that's the reality here, man. I mean, we saw the death of one young woman and we have a younger girl here whose life is changed completely because of someone else's mistake behind the wheel. I, 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 look, I, I don't know if I even like the word mistake. Britt Reed knew what he was doing. I don't know if I even call that a mistake, to be honest. So, yeah, I apologize. I, I, I take that back for sure. I don't know. I, I mean, I really hope uh, we see um, we see justice be served. Because uh, I don't have a lot of respect for people who do that behind the wheel. I just don't. Um, and this is not Britt Reed's first offense here. That's the other issue, too. Is he really going to get... The maximum? Probably not. And I think uh, his connection to his father is going to play a big role in that. Uh, the Lakers. 
Can Darvin Ham really help the Lakers? Can he really save the Lakers? The Lakers are shooting 25 uh, out of 118 from three-point range in three games. That's just over 21%. Uh, ESPN mentioned that the Lakers are on pace to become the worst shooting team in NBA history. They're in dead last in nearly every offensive category in basketball right now. Russell Westbrook, I mean, is Russell Westbrook even going to be on the team next week? I, I don't even think anyone knows Russell Westbrook's future with this team. Anthony Davis, I mean, I'm a big fan of the guy, despite what he did to my Jayhawks in the national championship game. But even he doesn't seem like he knows what, what, what's going on. LeBron James, is he at a point now where maybe he's just not as good as he used to be? Because the... Message was, fire Frank Vogel. He's ruining everything. The issues are bad with him. They'll get better if we fire him. Well, they did that. And now things are worse. Way worse. Maybe Frank Vogel was not the issue in LA. I don't think he was the issue in LA. Listen, I've seen a lot of people in headlines call this a horror show in Hollywood. Um, It's that bad. It's really bad. Uh, by the time uh, you guys probably hear this podcast, there will already be a fourth game played by the Lakers against the Nuggets, I believe. They got to wake up, man. Um, and I don't know what it is with the Lakers uh, in recent memory. When they had uh, Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, and Carl Malone. I, I mean, obviously they got to the NBA Finals, but the way they lost the Finals. Um, uh, listen, they still got to a championship, but even then, like the standard isn't just getting to a championship in LA, especially when you assemble that kind of a team. Then several years later, they bring in uh, who they bring in Dwight Howard at his prime and Steve Nash, who was still playing good basketball near the end of his career. Uh, you still had Pau Gasol, if I recall correctly, and the Lakers just got their asses kicked that year. Everyone had them as the number one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, and then, you know, you add Westbrook to join AD and LeBron, and this happens. It reminds me of what happened when you added Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. I still have the Sports Illustrated cover of uh, Nash and Howard and, and people celebrating in L.A. This, this Lakers dream team that they just assembled. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure... Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen in L.A. What's happening in L.A.? I mean, there's an uncertain future. I, I said that the Patriots' future is very uncertain right now with their quarterback situation. I mean, this entire Lakers team right now. Yeah, I, I mean, what? who's going to be here next year? I don't even know if LeBron's going to still be on the team. I know he said he wants to stay in L.A. to end his career. I don't know if that's even going to be a thing. I really don't. By the way, they had a uh, motivational speaker. I don't know if you guys heard this. They had someone coming in and talk. Will Smith came in to talk to the Lakers. I don't know what kind of pep talk Will Smith gave to the Lakers. The only acceptable thing from Will Smith, and we all know Will Smith is capable of doing this, is that he needs to slap each and every single Lakers player and tell them to wake up. Okay? That's the only thing you should bring Will Smith for, is to tell the team to wake the fuck up. Because... They don't even know what they're doing right now. Um, they fired a coach, and they thought their problems were gone. Nope. They got even worse. Uh, real quickly, this whole Brittany Griner story. Uh, a Russian court has rejected an appeal from Brittany Griner and her uh, legal team against her nine-year prison sentence for possession and smuggling of drugs. Okay, look. Uh, a lot of WNBA players, because they only make six figures, only six figures, God forbid, um, they like to play internationally during the offseason so they can make more money. Some of these players play in Russia. That's one of the countries some of these players go to. Given what's been going on in Russia in recent years, uh, I don't know why it would make sense for a WNBA player, especially a Brittany Griner, who's a fantastic basketball player, two-time gold medalist. I had the opportunity to see her play in college when, when she was at Baylor when they came to play against KU. Um, special talent. Special, special talent. I'm sure a, another team in another country will gladly take your services. Why Russia? That's something I'm not hearing anyone ask. Um... 
And listen, I, I know the whole thing right now. I mean, th- th- there have been other Russians who have been in prison but have served less time in jail for almost the exact same thing. I know what's going on. There's a big political battle going on here because Russia is using Brittany Griner as as a negotiating tool right now. They're, they're using her as leverage uh, so they can get what they want from the U.S. And because of what's happening between Russia and the Ukraine and with the U.S. sending all this money to try and help Ukraine against Russia, this just puts Brittany Griner in a really terrible spot, which just makes it even harder for her to get what she wants out of all of this. Um, but this whole notion of, you know, playing basketball in Russia, I mean, that's a choice she made, um, which, you know, was not an issue up until you go to the airport and you have these drugs. And listen, I know there's this big debate out there, you know, certain drugs, are they good? Are they bad? Listen, I don't know enough about these things to even discuss them in great detail. I really don't. And I don't care. But they're drugs at the end of the day. You take them to any airport, you're going to get in trouble. Um, in Russia, given that you're from the U.S., yeah, I mean, what do you expect? Um, and, and listen, I know a lot of people are mocking her and laughing because I guess she took a knee and she did make a big stance, uh, trying to voice her stance uh, against certain issues in the U S and now people are saying, well, now she's out of the U S for nine years, at least, you know, I'm not going to go there. I I don't think that's necessary. Um, listen, I think Americans should, they have the right to speak up when they're not happy about something. I not going to go into detail with that, but what I will say is I, she knew what she was doing when she was at the airport. Um, you should not have possession of these things, especially at a Russian airport. Uh, and unfortunately, given what's going on with Russia, Ukraine, and the U.S. getting involved the way they are, just puts her in a really bad spot, which is unfortunate. Really unfortunate. Okay, uh, I need to touch on this. By the way, this podcast ended up being a little longer than I anticipated. Um, but this is very important. Uh, Arvin High School in Arvin, California, which is in the Bakersfield area, which is about two hours, two and a half hours north of LA, just to give you guys an idea of where this is, a special needs student at Arvin High School, uh, I I guess he's been getting bullied for quite some time, and at some point last week, a student brought clippers, hair clippers, to the school, and they forced this special needs student against his will to allow these bullies to shave patches off his hair, meanwhile, a bunch of kids are recording and laughing, um, just trying to shame this kid. And we're not done. And in some of these videos, you can actually see a school security guard right there in the background, watching along and laughing and giggling, thinking this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, this got a lot of attention when Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons reached out trying to... Um, Try to find him and his family. I'm forever a Micah Parsons fan. I never thought much of the guy other than he was a great rookie last year. He obviously was defensive rookie of the year last year. Uh, I have. You asked me today about my opinion of Micah Parsons. I've got a whole new opinion about him. And nothing to do with his game. Nope. More personally. In a positive manner, obviously. And when he reached out, this actually made other athletes want to reach out as well. Uh, a lot of the Celtics players reached out. A few other players have reached out. Some are even following up, asking him if uh, if he found the kid yet. So, props to Micah Parsons on this one, because this is how I found out about this when he reached out on Twitter. Uh, after lots of outrage across the country, and they've been having they, there have been a lot of parents protesting outside the building. Arvin High School put out this bullshit statement saying that they'll handle this privately. They're not going to disclose names because there are minors involved, blah, blah, blah. Even though there was one minor who was shamed and all this, you can see his face and all of this. Oh, by the way, they say that they don't condone bullying. I'm going to get back to that comment in a moment, okay? Because there's a problem with this high school. Uh, ABC 23 News in Bakersfield, California, they're reporting that a mother is speaking up because her son took his own life due to being bullied. Back in August, by the way, of this year, so two months ago, she's speaking up because she does not want this to happen to anyone else, which is certainly understandable. By the way, her son, 
who took his own life went to the same high school. And it happened just this year in August. I mean, we're near the end of October. So the school year, I mean, in the first three months, August, September, November, you have one student that took his own life because he was being bullied. And now you've got a second, a special needs student that is being picked on. And I mean, you've already seen it. You've already heard me talk about this. So when the school says they don't condone bullying, bull fucking shit. You've already lost one student, which you probably don't even give a damn about. Let me just say something. I don't think there's any school in the United States of America that says, yeah, we allow bullying and we condone it and we think it's hilarious. The problem here is this. You have a security guard in the background that's laughing when this is all happening. Doesn't do a single thing about it. His title is literally security. And you've already lost one student to suicide this year. And then people wonder, why is there so much talk about mental health out there? Um, yeah, this high school has a clear issue when it comes to bullying. Um, to say that they don't condone bullying is probably the last thing they should be saying right now because it does not match what they're saying. Here's the problem when these kinds of things happen in high schools. Uh, my senior year of high school, there was a student who took his own life. Uh, this was a student that I uh, was not friends with, but I was friends with people who, who knew him. He didn't have very many friends, by the way. Smart kid. Very smart kid. Uh, not the most social kid. Was not a very social kid. Um, had a, a smaller circle of friends, if you would. When his, uh, when he decided to take his own life, uh, it was not made very public that this was a suicide. Uh, when I was watching this on the news, they said it, it happened in a, in a, when he was inside his own car, and the media said that they don't uh, know the cause of the accident. So obviously, they're not in on all the details with this. Meanwhile, they interviewed one of the assistant superintendents who has never met this kid. And in the interview, he says he was a popular kid. He was involved in many activities and he was a very sociable kid and a very likable kid. None of that about the kid was true. None of that. Not very popular. I mean, didn't have a lot of friends. Was not involved in many activities as far as I recall. So not only do schools say, oh, we don't condone bullying, but then when these things happen, they have the biggest BS PR stunt possible where they try to really downplay everything and sugarcoat it. Maybe sugarcoat's not the right word, but they lie. Okay. Can we just say that? They lie about these things. Okay. I guarantee, I, listen, this school, Arvin High School, I don't know what they're going to say about this kid that, you know, oh, he's, he gets good grades. He's involved in so many activities. He is actually well-liked, just not by these kids. I mean, I don't know. Will they say that thing? I don't know. I, I hope they don't lie about this kind of stuff because when schools do this, this is what they use to cover up bullying in schools. And listen, I'm not condoning this, but this does, when, you, when we hear about younger kids that commit shootings in schools, obviously, that is a very cowardly thing to do, and that doesn't fix any situation when getting bullied. But sometimes that is what leads to these kinds of things. Again, I'm not condoning any of that. I know someone's going to take my words out of context and tweet me about this. What I'm saying is when a kid gets bullied to the point where no one wants to listen to him, no one wants to hear him out, people just want to pick on him as much as they can, they get to their breaking point. And what do they do? Unfortunately, they do something worse to make things make matters even worse. Counselors don't want to do things sometimes. Teachers don't want to do things sometimes. They don't want to stop the bullying because they don't get paid enough to do these kinds of things. I don't know. I'm just speculating right now. Because if teachers and schools really did something about bullying in the classrooms, in the hallways, then maybe we wouldn't be seeing stories like this often. By the way, I have a question. How is it that these students who, again, they're on their phones recording this kid. Many of them have their phones pulled up. So I'm sure these kids have been on Facebook, Twitter. Um, maybe they don't follow the news as much. But I'm sure they've seen viral videos and viral stories of situations when a kid gets bullied. The school faces a lot of backlash and so do all those kids and their parents. So 
how is it that in the year 2022, almost 2023, every single kid pulls out their phone, films this, and uploads this and thinks that nothing bad is going to happen to them and that everyone else is going to laugh along too? Misha Tate, uh, who's a uh, UFC fighter, former UFC bantamweight champion, she res- uh, she's on Cameo, which is where you know you pay some money and you can get a shout out from your favorite celebrity, or you can have them give your best friend uh, a shout out. Whatever you guys know what Cameo is. Uh, Misha Tate once received a Cameo where uh, sh- they wanted her to give um, someone on the wrestling team a shout out. But they wanted her to make fun of him because he lost to a girl in a wrestling match. It's like, you know, you have this kind of bullying. And then you have kids that are even going to go as far as using Cameo to get a celebrity to try to insult someone. And Misha Tate actually published this and said that she declined this because this is what leads to bullying. You know, this is what leads to people... Putting them in a bad mental state. And that there was nothing wrong with a girl beating a guy in a wrestling match. You know, just because someone is a different gender doesn't mean that they're not capable of martial arts or any kind of or, or wrestling, any kind of mixed martial arts form. Um, there are a lot of issues in our society today, and I do blame the schools for this. And listen, I, I get it. Even the principals, superintendents, they don't get paid a whole hell of a lot more than the teachers and the counselors in the schools. But they're still the ones allowing it. They have rules in place against it. They say they don't condone it after something like this happens and their bullshit statements, but the schools are still allowing this to happen. This happened on school grounds. I don't know what the solution to all this is. I mean if I if I knew I'd be in uh, education and fixing this problem elsewhere, but uh the fact that schools don't even want to even try to fix this um, the unfortunate reality is this thing's going to continue for a long time until schools actually step up and actually put some effort into stopping all of this from happening. Then next thing you know, I mean, people know Arvin High School now all over the country, um, but they shouldn't. That's just the reality. All right, that'll do it for this episode of FarceCast. My name is Farzi Vasugi, and a big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Share the links if you haven't already. Make sure you follow me on social media. I got all the social media in my uh, in the description for the podcast, so all the links are on there. Just click on them. Follow me on there if you haven't already. Next giveaway will be happening on Instagram and Twitter Thursday morning, so make sure you're following me on those two sites for all of that and much more. All right, I'm out of here. Make sure you guys subscribe to my YouTube page. Uh, I've got one YouTube page that I mentioned earlier this week. I have a new one that I'm going to be promoting. In fact, for I said I'd promote it. Uh, I'd, pub- I'd announce it Friday morning. But for uh, those on this podcast, I'll put it in the link. Uh, so for those podcast listeners, listeners, you guys can uh, hear it a little early. It's a gaming page. So make sure you follow that, please, on my YouTube page. Just started it. So we definitely need some uh, some fresh followers on there. All right, I'm out of here. I'm Farzim Vasugan. Have a great weekend. Talk to you guys later.